certainly Christians believe the Bible proclaims Jesus Christ rose from the dead on the third day. Let me begin by quoting something from uh, one scholar reflecting on the early history of the Christian faith and the Christian church. Listen to this for a moment. He says this. He says, the single most striking thing about early Christianity is the speed of its growth. In AD 25, there is no such thing as Christianity. Merely a young hermit in the Judean wilderness and his somewhat younger cousin who dreams dreams and sees visions. By AD 125, 100 years later, the Roman emperor has established an official policy in relation to the punishment of Christians. Aristides is confronting the emperor Hadrian with the news that there are four races in the world, barbarians, Greeks, Jews, Christians. And a young pagan called Justin tells of his meeting with an old man who talked to him about Jesus. Pliny speaks of the poison of Christianity spreading into villages and countryside. Ignatius finds churches wherever he goes throughout Asia Minor. Tacitus, in the tone of voice of one who has come across a dead rat in the water tank, comments that all the worst features of world culture find their way to Rome sooner or later. Which means, of course, Christ and Christianity has found its way to Rome. And if you know the history, by the fourth century, Christianity is the official state religion of Rome. Now, how do you explain that? How do you explain that explosive growth of Christianity and the Christian church, especially given the well-documented timing and manner of Jesus, its founder's death? He died young, aged possibly around 33 after a public ministry of maybe three years at the most. He died rejected by the majority of his own society, betrayed and denied by his immediate circle of friends, mocked by his opponents, forsaken by God himself. And with that, his death, his crucifixion, clearly had a devastating and disillusioning effect on that immediate circle of his friends. The very ones who are, are recorded as being those who first spread the Christian faith. And when you first meet that inner circle in that small room somewhere in Jerusalem, in John 20, that, that reading that we read just a moment ago, you are left wondering, when you meet these folk at first, you're left wondering if Christianity can survive, far less spread. Listen again to John's description. On the evening of that first day of the week, the disciples, Jesus' immediate circle, were together with the doors locked for fear of the Jews. Now, I don't know if you've ever sat in a company of movers and shakers in society. I don't know if you've ever sat in a, in a company of people who are likely to change society. But do these men strike you when you meet them in John 20 and 19 as movers and shakers? 
They are fearful, clearly. They're frightened. Far from a desire to go out into the world and to make a difference, to change it, they very obviously want to keep the world out. That's why the doors are locked, for fear of the Jews. I guess they had seen what the Jewish authorities had done to Jesus and probably assumed as his his known associates that they were next. So what happened to change them? What happened to give them the message and with it the courage and the conviction to go out and to proclaim that message and in the estimate of at least some leaders in in Thessalonica turn the world of their day upside down. Well, John's gospel is very clear, isn't it? What's the explanation? Jesus came and stood among them. The resurrection. The resurrection of Jesus. That's the explanation, says John, and all the other gospel writers and all the other New Testament writers. Jesus rose from the dead. That explains it. Indeed, it's interesting, as you read uh, and observe John's account here and all that transpires between Jesus and these disciples in that little locked room, you can discern something of the essential elements of the message that spread so rapidly. We haven't got time, and I mean this, to go into the detail of this, but let me just mention three elements that are there, there. Jesus stood among them and said, peace be with you. After he said this, he showed them his hands and his sight. There's one element of the message, isn't it? Peace with God on the basis of what Jesus had done in his death. That's why he shows them his hands and his side. With that pardon from God offered through a believing response to the preaching of the gospel, if you forgive anyone his sins, they are forgiven. If you don't forgive them, they're not. And with that, thirdly, the power to be changed and to proclaim the message, to enable this mission. Where does that come from? It comes in Jesus' gift to them. As the Father has sent me, I'm sending you. And with that, he breathed on them and said, receive the Holy Spirit. There's the elements. Peace with God. Pardon from God. The heart of the message. And then in the presence and the power of God, the Holy Spirit with them and in them, the ability to live and to proclaim that message and to engage in this world-changing mission, this mission that would indeed turn the world upside down. But all of that, all of that, and the New Testament All of that for John and the New Testament writers is linked to and flows from this foundational fact. Jesus rose from the dead. It's the only thing that explains it, said the Gospels, say the Gospel writers, that Jesus, who had died, who was buried, who was clearly dead, testified as dead, came and stood among them, risen from the dead. Now you say that's unique. And we say, absolutely. You say that's hard to believe. Well, maybe. 
Certainly. Let me say this. If you are, if you are skeptical, if you've come here slightly skeptical this evening, if you're someone who struggles to believe, someone who is reluctant to be convinced, then when you read the Gospels, you're in very good company. So were Jesus' immediate disciples. You can see that. You can hear that here, can't you? You know, if you've never heard before, if you heard it there, the story of Thomas and all that doubting Thomas, and not just that. And please, please don't think of these men and indeed the women that were part of that initial company of Jesus' followers. Don't think of them as gullible. Don't think of them as men and women desperate to be convinced. They were slow to believe. And remember too that if you're tempted to think that they made this up, that somebody with a vivid imagination made this up, in the long run, what did these men in particular in this room in that particular night, what did they have to gain by that? Do you know that almost everyone in that room, apart from perhaps John himself, the apostle, the gospel writer, would end up dead? Why would they end up dead? Because they would ultimately insist that they had seen Jesus raised from the dead and alive. They would preach this message and they would die preaching it. They would die because they preached it. These men died preaching the resurrection of Jesus. They were slow initially to believe. Gospels make that very plain. I'm glad in a sense they make that plain. But they did come to believe. And once they did, once they were convinced, they went out and they preached at the cost of their lives. And that they did that, and that the church did come into existence and spread so rapidly, and in fact continues to spread. I mean, I know in our day and age we think of the church as contracting in our, in our land, in our culture, but globally it's not, it's just burgeoning. But that the church did come into existence and spread so rapidly then demands an explanation, it demands an explanation. Someone once put the challenge this way. If the coming into existence of the Nazarenes, the Christian church, phenomenon undeniably, a phenomenon undeniably attested in the New Testament, if that phenomenon rips a great hole in the history, a hole that is the size and the shape of the resurrection, What do you intend to stop that hole with? What do you propose fills that hole if it's not the resurrection? Or in a similar vein, let me just finish by quoting to you the argument of a remarkable Jewish scholar, a man called Pincus Lapid, who in the late 1970s and 80s investigated the resurrection, the evidence for the resurrection of Jesus, and remember, did so as a Jew, not a Christian, a Jew. And he concluded this. If the disciples were totally disappointed and on the verge of desperate flight because of the very real reason of the crucifixion, it took another very real reason 
in order to transform them from a band of disheartened and dejected Jews into the most self-confident missionary society in world history. And that very real reason he was convinced was the resurrection of Jesus. For him, a Jew, it was the only thing that made sense. And he caused a furore at the time, as you could imagine, among his fellow Jews. In fact, one German rabbi, a man called Peter Levinson, said of him, this is a terrible shock. (laughs) I'm sure it was. He has overstepped the bounds of Jewish theology. Of course he had. But the real question was, was he right? Did the evidence stand up? And I want to suggest to you, and I want to encourage you to look at it for yourself. I want to suggest that it does. And yet, let me say something else. Somewhat oddly, Pincus Lapid, though he affirmed the truth of the resurrection of Jesus, remained a Jew, which also puzzled and annoyed the very same German rabbi, Levinson, And he said something very significant. He said, if I believed in Jesus' resurrection, I would be baptized tomorrow. See, even if Lapid didn't, the rabbi, I think, did see clearly the implications of the truth of the resurrection But that's what we'll turn to consider in a moment. You've been listening to a sermon from St. Peter's Free Church in Dundee, the historic church of Robert Murray McShane. For more sermon content, please visit our website at stpeters-dundee.org.uk. That's www.stpeters-dundee.org.uk. For information and training on persuasive evangelism and how to share your faith biblically, please visit the website of SOLAS, the Centre for Public Christianity, at solas-cpc.org. Once again, that's www.solas-cpc.org. Thanks for listening.